In this episode, I share a presentation I gave where I was invited as a speaker to a Gujarati community, the Navnit Vadil Kumandal. It was the first time ever they had a speaker of my qualifications, experience and expertise. Over 200 participants worldwide joined whilst it was streaming live and many more have been able to benefit from the information I shared since. As a society, we must remind ourselves that we are the most advanced humans that have ever been on this planet. Therefore, we need to shift our goals from survival-only mode to thrival. There is no reason why we cannot optimise our health and well-being far beyond simply looking at our symptoms. As a special thank you to Navrat Vandil Mandal for inviting me to share my expertise with the community. Remember to share and subscribe and follow me on all my socials at Trishalvadi. I hope you enjoy. and the wife 
Thank you very much uh, for that very kind introduction and I hope this uh, talk today is going to be interesting and fun for you. We are going have fun with this because laughter is the best medicine and I find that the best combination of getting the best health is to make sure we have fun with it. So please make sure you utilize my um, time with you today. Um, and it's only an hour and a half for me. That's not a long time for, for spending time with you guys. So please do ask any questions as we go along. Gombal, my wife knows me very well, so she'll interrupt me uh, as we need to answer any questions. So please do utilize me. What I'm going to do first of all is share my screen with you so you can see the presentation I want to share. So. This is me, I'm Trishal Vardi, I'm an osteopath and a chiropractor. Osteopathy and chiropractic are two different professions. And Ajay, I'll explain to you the two different professions, how they work and why they're different, but what the similarities are and how you can benefit from them and how you can get the best out of this to benefit your health, your lifestyle, your well-being, not just for yourself, but for our family, our loved ones, and how we can do all the things we want to do together. Right, this is just an example ke amukwar apre ho baat karo ke osteopathy no ke chiropractic no ke knee pain hoy hip pain hoy back pain hoy to mukne tai ke o khali je mota umar no hoy olakamnesh mate hoy actually this is only a handful of photos of some of the lives that i've touched over the years i've been doing this for like under verse so i've been doing this for 15 years i'm new at this and that's a joke i'm not that new but the point is is that we help lots of people of a variety of different ages or different backgrounds different uh, careers whatever it might be so this is just to demonstrate to you we've got right the way from children all the way to adults as well so you'll find out how we can help you with this too and now also what i've been really excited about is being able to share my knowledge not just with people like you but mane chene amuk clinics bolave amuk professions bolave ne hola kon sikharo ke who ke ritna results ma patients at the karista ko ne hola ka ke ritna pan expertise ma lai sake and they can share it with their uh, patients as well so i do a lot of teaching like this i also treat a lot of patients so we see thousands of patients here and i have a i've gathered a wealth of knowledge and information over the years so i'm here to share as much as i can with you today like uh, I was introduced with, this was something I was really fortunate about, I was very proud of, that I was representing the entire profession of osteopathy at uh, uh, a royal wedding in 2018. And I was interviewed live on international television uh, by Lisa Snowden there and the royal wedding as well. And it was actually really fun and exciting. So I'm very proud of this moment. And uh, they actually you know, said that I was one of the leading clinicians to, to share on that platform. So really as much as I'm as much value came and then the please make sure that whatever the specific personal 
પ્રોફેશનલ હેલ્થ પ્રોફેશનલ હોય તમને જે તમને દવા આપી હોય કે એડવાઇસ આપી હોય એ તમે પહેલાં સાંભળવાનું આજે આઈ જસ્ટ ટ્રાઈ ગીવ યુ સમ એજ્યુકેશન જસ્ટ સમ આઈડિયાઝ અ ડિફરન્ટ વે ઓફ લુકિંગ એટ થિંગ્સ અ ડિફરન્ટ કન્સિડરેશન ને જ્યારે તમને કંઈ ક્વેશ્ચન્સ હોય યુ રીલી મસ્ટ ગેટ અ મોર પર્સનલાઇઝ કન્સલ્ટેશન વિથ મી ટુ ગેટ પ્રોપર એડવાઇસ બટ લેટ મી ગીવ યુ સમ ડેમોન્સ્ટ્રેશન ઓફ વોટ વી કેન ડુ એન અ સ્લાઈ ડિફરન્ટ વ્યૂ ઓન દિસ દેટ્સ વોલ હોલ આઈડિયા ઓફ ટુડે એટલે હું જ્યારે કહું કે દવા નહીં લેવાની આઈ નોટ સેઇંગ તમે સવાર ત્યારે દવા બંધ કરી નાખવાનું તમારે ધ્યાન કરીને સાંભળવાનું તમારા એકચુઅલ ડૉક્ટર કે કોઈ પણ તમને આપ્યું હોય એ પહેલાં સાંભળવાનું પછી વિચાર કરવાનું કેવી રીતના કરવાનું આગળ જઈને સો ટુડે વિલ ટોક અબાઉટ ઇઝ અ હેન્ડ ફોલ થિંગ્સ વિલ ટોક અબાઉટ પેઇન રિલીફ વિલ ટોક અબાઉટ રિયલ બેક એન્ડ નેક પેઇન અને વિલ ટોક અબાઉટ ટ્રેપ્સ નર્વ્સ સાયાટિકા હિપ પેઇન નીપ પેઇન શોલ્ડર એન્ડ આર્મ પેઇન સો હોપ દિસ વિલ બી રિયલી ગ્રેટ એન્ડ યુઝફુલ ટુ યુ Like I said already, please make sure you ask me questions. And I can see Kong's already typing away, so I'm sure some questions are already coming through. So I'm looking forward to answering them as we go through. So please do keep the questions coming as well. So the first topic is, there is no cure for neck or back pain. <laughs> What do I mean by this? I mean, the reason I say this is because આપણે જ્યારે આડવર્સ જોઈએ ન્યુરફેનની આડવર્સ જોઈએ કે કઈ રીતની દવા જોઈએ એમાં કહે કે ધ લેટેસ્ટ ક્યોર ફોર બેક પેઇન ધ લેટેસ્ટ ક્યોર ફોર નેક પેઇન ને આમાં એક કી ફંડામેન્ટલ પ્રોબ્લેમ છે બિકોઝ નેક પેઇન કે બેક પેઇન આ કન્ડિશન નથી આ ડાયગ્નોસિસ નથી આપણી પાસે ડાયગ્નોસિસ ના હોય તો એનો ક્યોર કેવી રીતના આપણે ગોતી શકીએ દેટ્સ વાય ધીઝ આર સિમ્ટમ્સ હું તમને કહું કે મારા નેક દુઃખે છે but there could be hundreds of different reasons why my neck is hurting alle apre khoti treatment ape ke khoti dawa ape for that particular condition then it won't work to jare pan have tame jare jo kai pan advert jo ke a neck pain no cure che tame ek minute vichar karona ke actually is this neck pain ke what specific cause of the neck pain is this the cure for and that's what we have to look at to what happens with osteopaths and chiropractors we are very very skilled at finding the root cause of the problem and we do that because the majority humne par se pelao for your first appointment just like the mekoi there was doctor pas se jao ke dentist pas se jao before they do any treatment pehla alaka tumne bahut questions puch se ke what is the problem kare chalu tyu what makes it worse what makes it better all those different things ena pachi hum examination karsu tumara tumara posture check karsu ke bhi tumara movements che અમુક નર્વ ટેસ્ટ કરશું તમારા અમુક હાર્ટના કન્ડિશન ચેક કરશું વી ડુ અ રેન્જ ઓફ ડિફરન્ટ થિંગ્સ વેરી સિમિલર ટુ હાઉ યોર જીપી વુડ ટેસ્ટ યુ એના પછી વી રીલી ફાઇન્ડ ધ રૂટ કોઝ ઓફ ક્યાંથી સોર્સ ઓફ ધ પ્રોબ્લેમ ઇઝ કમિંગ ફ્રોમ એન્ડ ટુડે આઈ મુ ડેમોન્સ્ટ્રેટ સમ સ્ટોરીઝ ઓફ સમ ધ પેશન્સ આઈ લાઈફ ટ્રીટેડ ઓવર ધ યર્સ એન્ડ યુ રીલી સી હાઉ ધેટ પેઇન ઓવર હિયર વોઝ એક્ચુઅલી બિકોઝ ઓફ સમથિંગ ઓવર ધેર સો ઇટ મેક મચ મોર સેન્સ બટ ફર્સ્ટ ઓફ ઓલ આઈ રીલી વોન્ટ યુ ટુ ટેક ઓન બોર્ડ there is no cure for a symptom there are only cures for conditions so we must think about this when we go forwards so when i treat my patients i'm not ever prescribing any drugs and i'm never prescribing any surgery now for those of you who know me very well we spoke with some of the hosts earlier on you know that i come from a background where my dad is a pharmacist so i come from very much a background where we used you know i've grown up in the pharmaceutical industry if you like and uh on that point i'm not saying we don't take drugs at all what i am saying is we have to be careful about what we need to use the drugs for 
Oh, let's just use a little bit of common sense. Jare apre koi divas GP passe jaye, ne lakau blood test kare, ne suppose lakau ke okay, to tamaro iron low che. To obviously apre iron new supplement levano. That makes sense. Pan koi divas koi passe paracetamol deficiency na hoy sakhe. There's no such thing as a paracetamol deficiency. It doesn't exist. You know, paracetamol is not a natural chemical inside our body. You shouldn't need it. If you need paracetamol, then you must be at a very desperate stage of your pain or your condition, or even things like any strong painkillers. So we've got to think about how can we, if paracetamol, any drugs like that, any painkillers, they don't exist in our body naturally, then how can we make sure that we can fix the problem, reduce the pain, therefore you can then heal correctly. So this is what we have to do. Now also the other side of it is surgery. I'm not quite happy to say, oh, okay, I've a surgery, fine, it'll be fixed. But I always tell my patients, get the major surgery, make sure you are as confident with having the surgery as you are having a tattoo across your forehead. If you're not confident with having a tattoo over your forehead, for whatever it might be, then you shouldn't be confident having that surgery because surgery might have the risks hoy sake as well. Alle jare pan apra doctor pan koi ke sake ke tamara karano bolu karano pehla alaka ne puchvano ke okay na benefits suche na na risks suche. Ye tamara aram ti think karano ke are the benefits better than the risks in your case. You must take time to decide these things. But this is also true for the treatment that we provide. Now our treatment suche is we put our hands on our patients we mobilize the joints, we mobilize the muscles, we get things working. And if you have a mechanical problem, then you don't have a chemical solution. Because it's a biomechanical, like a physical problem. So you need to get hands-on, you need to move things around to get them functioning normally and functioning better. There's no pill or tablet or surgery that will do that that same way. We have to utilize the body the way it's designed to work. So all these things that she started in America back in 1800s, there are history lesson up with them there. osteopathy and chiropractic, they're separate professions. And this is why UK Ma, there are thousands of osteopaths, there are thousands of chiropractors, but only three of us are both in the UK. So it's very rare to have this combination of two. And I'll give you an example of what happened in America. See, apra osteopathy in a the founder of osteopathy was actually a medical doctor. Would you believe it? A medical doctor was the founding uh, father of osteopathy way back in 1874. And in Ovichar Suotoke, there must be a better way of treating patients rather than using drugs or surgery. And let's be fair, the other pharmaceuticals and medication wasn't as powerful and effective as it is today, and it wasn't as safe. A lot of the medication was either alcohol-based or daru hoyema, or there was mercury in there. But nowadays we know we've come a long way. But that was where it started off. The whole point is there must be something within the body, body own dawani chest, medicine chest hoy, that we can then open up and then heal within. And also 20 odd years ago, there was D.D. Palmer. D.D. Palmer was the founder of chiropractic. And then he founded how the nerves, he realized that the nervous system controls everything in the body. So when I've treated my patients, I've combined both these modalities and I've found I've had outstanding results with my patients with this. So it's really amazing to be able to share this with you today. So the question is, 
if this is so amazing, so powerful, it's been around for so many years, why doesn't your GP know about this? Well, the truth is they do. And the truth is, is that particularly in the UK, we've got the NHS, which is wonderful. And the thing is, is that our GPs are not fully trained or fully aware during their qualifications, during their uh, studies of exactly how chiropractic or osteopathy can help. And the thing is that they learn more about the pharmaceutical industry or surgery. And the thing is, the funny, funny thing I find is that our GPs patients This is Dr. James. He's a GP. He comes to see me for treatment. I've got here a nurse, Sarah. She's also a patient of ours. And we've got all of their families as well. It's never this thing that oh, There isn't this jogro. All it is is that GPs have a protocol because they have to follow that. But if we go to different countries, let's, go, let's say we go back to America, they have different options. They have insurance for America, mainly for example. Then you can have the option, can I go to a chiropractor? Shall I go to the family physician? Shall I go to uh, this particular specialist? Whereas our mindset UK GP But we must also think is the GP going to be able to find the root cause of the problem? So really think about who is the expert. Now I'm not going to tell you that we're going to cure everything because this is not true. But what I'm going to tell you is that for certain conditions, GPs are great. But for areas like this, we find that a lot of patients, they will have gone to their GP, they've gone to the physio, they've gone to all these other different ways. And after weeks or months, they've gotten so frustrated, their problems have gotten so much worse that they wish they'd started up with us sooner. And once they get the benefit of what we do, they really are grateful for that. So why don't we just bypass that and take the strain off GPs. During our the coronavirus, we've had lockdowns, right? But our professions have told us we must stay open. So I've been an essential key worker for that because it takes a strain off the NHS. So let's do that for our GPs and our nurses and help them so that we can make sure that we get the care that we need so they can take care of other things that they're good at too. So what is a trapped nerve? Trapped nerve, what is this thing? Well, a trapped nerve or a pinched nerve, it comes from different sources. So let me give you an example. By the way, don't worry, for those of you who are wondering, this is not my first patient. Uh, this is just a plastic model. But this is what our spine looks like. This is the back of your spine and this is the front of your spine. And in our spine, we have 24 bones, individual bones like these. And in between these bones, we have discs. These are like spongy shock absorbers. That's how these discs act. And in between each bone, we have these yellow nerves. The mainframe brain is up here, then it sends all the wiring down inside the spinal cord and then it exits each part. They supply everything in the body. These go up to the head, but arms in the middle part of the back here, these go to all of our organs. They go into our pelvis organs and down to your legs as well. So what happens is We might have heard of a friend or family Okay, fine, trap nerve herself, but where is the trap nerve? And where is the nerve trapped? We must find this, right? 
otherwise it doesn't find the source of it for example apriyatyare garma joye ke apra light on off thai gai chhe however we all know ke apra light mati wiring chhe switch ma wall upar le we can turn the switch on and off but if that doesn't work we can also go to the fuse board and switch the fuse as well if the fuse has been flicked and if that doesn't work we might check on the street ke bada nagar evitna band thai gai chhe lighting there might be something of wrong with the mains so what we do is we need to find the source of the problem the source could be something in the brain the source could be somewhere in one of these individual parts of the nerves it could be somewhere local so nima dukto hoy because the nerve pinched your nima that could be also possible to lage pelaje test kariye when you first come to see us we find out exactly where the source of that problem is coming from pachi e area ma pe je pan condition pinch karto hoy ikad nakhi sakye have for example you could have joint inflammation that could also pinch on a nerve you could have muscle tightness that can pinch on a nerve you might have some sort of internal hemorrhaging or bleeding that can pinch on a nerve so there's lots of different different reasons of what can cause a pinching it's not just about of is it joint inflammation that's causing the pinching what we have to then do is think okay e joint inflammation hoy the inflammation ke vitna karwano and why was it there in the first place and that's what i do is i look at the lifestyle of that patient ke laka so karta tha recently somebody told me ke all they were doing was they were waking up around 5 o'clock in the morning getting some pain in their finger de jukai nahi kali anger panch vage every morning i dukhe angri ma pachi me laka ne patient enjoya ne me check ke ke sutai che and basically found ke e je nerve hato finger ma it came all the way up to the neck na neck ma thi kai problem ta to and me i had neck mati release kero and suddenly they didn't have the pain in the mornings anymore so we have when you find the source of the pinched nerve that will release it all completely rather than just thinking apne tai ke angri ma kai tyu che kai dawa rub karu he kai karu anger but that didn't do anything because the source of it was up here aya kai na to and this is the example that i was giving ke apra neck apra ko spine che there's three main sections apro neck is what the professionals call cervical spine and there are seven bones here c1 2 3 4 5 6 7 they go up to your head shoulders and down to your arms and hands but you have a thoracic spine here thoracic spine is where you've got your rib cage now if you could put your hands on your ribs this is where you can feel your thoracic cage actually and that's 12 bones and then you have your lumbar spine that's only five bones and those nerves go down to your legs to your feet now within the spine okay discs ne so tai ke they can have different types of disc problems as well and if you've got a disc that's causing the nerve to be pinched there could be a number of different things so let's look at some examples we've got a normal disc at the top there then you can have a degenerative disc apne degenerative disc ni vichar kariye to apne tai okay koi moti umar na koi ne kai ta servitna except degeneration actually starts as young as in your 20s so all of us when we were in our 20s years old that's when we stopped growing and that's when we start degenerating then we've got bulging discs have a bulging disc matlab hai dhyan se jo jo bachcha you can see there's a bulge there in that image so that will bulge on where the space where the nerves come out le apan tai sake have a bulge vadrai tai then it can go into the next stage where it can become herniated herniated so that it is almost like a slipped disc some some people get told that they have a slipped disc that's what a herniated disc is like 
How a thinning disc can be very similar to a degenerative disc, and when you get a very severe degeneration, then it can be osteophyte formation. It looks like your bones start growing. You get arthritic, arthritis type changes in those bones as well. So all those are different types of possibilities where they can possibly pinch on the nerves. But here's the thing. They've done many studies on patients with zero symptoms. No, no symptoms. The people didn't know what it was that they even had any problems. And what they did, they did scans on these patients. They did an MRI scans. And they've done this so many times, they found there's a significant number of people with no pain who have herniated discs, they have bulging discs, they have degenerative discs. So the thing is, there's now a thinking that actually sometimes these discs may not be as involved as we thought they were, because the disc might not be just the root cause of it, there might be something else going on as well. So it's getting very interesting about looking at if somebody's got no pain, they might still have a problem that they don't know about. So this is one of the things that's really important. You know, we regularly blood pressure check every April. We'd regularly go to the dentist to make sure we get our teeth checked. But who's regularly checking your spine? So we've got to really find somebody who can, you can go to on a regular basis and make sure that they're checking your spine, checking your body, checking your health to ensure that you catch things before they get worse and you can also help them get through any problems that they might occur as well. And that's what we do, chiropractors and osteopaths. Sciatica is a very common term that's also thrown around. So you might have been told, or you might know somebody who said, oh, I had a pain due to back, leg, and I had sciatica. My problem with sciatica as a diagnosis is it's not a false diagnosis. Sciatica, no definition, it's pain in the distribution of the sciatic nerve. So the sciatic nerve is one of the largest nerves that goes from your lower back into your legs. It goes down the back of your legs. The sciatic nerve is as thick as your thumb. It's the thickest nerve in your body. Really thick. Look at, have a good look at your thumb right now. That's a thick nerve. It looks thick. Now, if we've told that we've got sciatica, we have to find out where is the sciatica coming from? What's causing it? I do have a question regarding sciatica. Oh, excellent. So Deepa has said that she suffers from sciatic pain, which goes all the way down the left leg and gives a tingling feeling in the left foot. So any advice would be appreciated. Ah, so Deepa, you're going to love this. So you're absolutely right. Your symptoms are very, very typical of uh, sciatica. So what's Deepa's feeling in a tingling daiche, footma? pins and needles, tingling sensation has changed. And it's a little bit like a light up a dimmer switch hoy, a nerve ne pinch or reduction karienu, then obviously you're gonna get reduction of the flow of the nerves. Now the sciatica can come from a number of places. So in Deepa's condition, if she was to come to see me as a patient, my main role would be to find where is it being pinched. Is it something that's happening within the buttock area? If they are tight, it might be pinching on that nerve. So apre muscle release karano. However, if it's not from there, then that's a big waste of time because you've only, you haven't done anything because it could be a pinching in the lower back from the number of different things we talked about. I think it could be a disc, it could be a joint inflammation, it could be some other uh, kind of lesion that's occupying that space that's pinching on there. So we've got to really find what the source of it is. So in your case, I would definitely make sure 
that rather than, I don't know how you've come across your uh, possible diagnosis or, or considering that you've got sciatica pain, but certainly, first of all, don't Google things because Google will always show you the worst case scenario. Always go to a professional so you can find out what the source of it is. Don't take sciatica as the, pro as the diagnosis. You have sciatica because of a what? Is it the muscle that's tight in the buttock area? Is it the pinched nerve in your lower back? Is it something else? Let's find out the source of it. So make sure you have a full diagnosis. So I wanted to share that with you in the short amount of time I have, that sciatica is one of the common trapped or pinched nerves that we see, that we hear about, but there's many, many others, okay? So uh, have a little think about what other ones you could have and feel free to ask me any questions about that too. But if any one of you has ever been to an osteopath or a chiropractor, you might have heard that uh, we, we move the joints in such a way that we have a popping sound from the joints. When we crack our knuckles, you can do the same thing in the spine. But there's a very big difference between just making the spine pop and actually having it adjusted by a professional. See, I know exactly how to do this on my patients, but I never can adjust my body correctly the way I want to do it. The reason is because when we're not looking after our body well, you know, I guarantee majority of you on this call have not regularly seen a chiropractor or an osteopath the way that we would regularly see our dentist. So therefore we do not know if all of your spine is working optimally. So if that happens, then some of the joints will become a little bit more stiff. So let's say for example, our mid back up through stiffness type, but we wouldn't really know about it. We just kind of carry on with life. We don't realize that. And time goes on, time goes on. And then suddenly we realize that the lower back is starting to work a little bit harder than it should do. And it, all it might take is you just literally bent down to pick something up, haven't tried anything hard, and suddenly boom, your pains come on and it's become really agonizing pain in the lower back. So if that happens, if I even have that, for example, then what would happen is if I try to treat myself, try to make my back work better, I'm only going to aggravate the pain in the lower back because I'm only going to be able to move that more on my own. So I have to go see my colleagues if I want to release the joints that need it rather than the ones that are already overworking. So never try and treat yourself, even especially if you're not a professional, but even then as a professional, I don't treat myself. I get my colleagues to treat me too because they can find and, and really be focused on the areas that need the treatment rather than me trying to just make things happen by themselves and aggravating the problem. And this is what a closer look at what our spine looks like. So on the left hand side, you can see that's the front of your spine. And on the right hand side, you can see that's the back. So those knobbly bits you can feel on your spine, those are those bumps. And the facet joint, the facet capsule, that's the joint there. So you can see there's a very small space between the facet joint and where the disc is. And that little space right in the center in front of that round black circle on the left of it, that's the tiny space that the nerves, these yellow nerves, come out from. There's not a huge amount of space. So we must make sure that we're looking after this because this is a very common thing that can happen. The nerves can be pinched. It's called nerve root impingement, NRI. Different thing than a non-resident Indian, right? <laughs> now let me tell you about Lisa. Lisa came to us with hip and knee pain. And she'd been suffering with knee pain. She could hardly go up the stairs. She was really kind of creaking. You know, when we get up from the chair, we'll oh, and that's what she was doing. She's felt it all in her knee. In fact, in her left knee, 
really. Your left knee was really painful. And it was creaking. It was creaking. I mean, like, you know, like Dravajanata when it needs to be oiled. And obviously, I'm not going to put WD-40 in there, right? That's not the answer to this. So what happened? Well, Lisa came to me first and I said, well, what's happening? My knee is hurting. And English man bolti because she's not Gujarati, right? But I'll give you some of the Gujarati anyway. And what happened was uh, I did a thorough investigation. Guess what? I found actually the knee was pretty good. It wasn't that problematic. When we went to it, we found there was a big problem in her lower back and her nerves were being pinched in her lower back. So I started treating her. Now after treatment, so she's starting getting better. You know, knee pain very quickly. But she she came in one day. Trishal, I don't know what you've done to me, but I came to you with left knee pain, and now I've started getting right foot foot pain. What are you doing to me? She's getting confused. What's happened? Then I said, Lisa, you know what we're doing is we're undoing all the things that have been happening in your life until now. So all those different things that built up, we're undoing that. We're kind of going back in time. So think to a time that you might have hurt your right foot. Okay, no, 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 no. I've never, ever hurt my right foot. Never. I said, okay, well, maybe not. But just think for me and see if you come up with anything. So the next time she came in, she said, Trishal, you're right. I said, all right, I need to be more specific. What do you mean? She said, I did hurt my right foot. I forgot about it. And what happened was her son had accidentally stepped on her right foot as she went to turn many years ago and that caused her right ankle to cause a lot of pain. She just totally forgot about this. And it's a very common thing that we see that we right foot my problem and left knee my problem but she right hip my problem and was zigzag pattern. And when you really un, uh, unravel that you find the source of it can come from somewhere else. Just like the light switch in her case was here and that resolved everything. But the thing is that the knee pain she'd had for so long, it, she didn't come to see me for the knee pain. What she actually came to see me for is because the knee pain was concerning her about going skiing. She loves going skiing every year. Now, ski boots, if you ever worn them, up her ankle doesn't move. So a lot of movement goes to the knees. So she was very worried about this. I said, well, let, Lisa, let's put a plan together to make sure you can go and enjoy your skiing. And one of the things I haven't told you about the story, by the way, not only did she go and, and go for skiing and she had a great time and she's been doing wonderful since then. But another thing that happened with Lisa, she's got a very stressful job. And one of the first things she told me was she takes antacids for her stomach because she's got acidity. And whilst I was treating her and after a few sessions, I'd monitored her progress. I said, Lisa, how's your heart been been? She said, Trisha, you know what's really strange? You should ask me that. Ever since I've been coming here, and by the way, I've had heartburn for years, ever since I've been coming to see you, it's gone. I said, oh, that's interesting. Fine. Then I carried on. After a few more treatments, Lisa, how's the heartburn? You're Trishul. It's not come back yet. Good. Carried on. Guess what? It's not come back yet. Now, am I telling you that I can cure your heartburn? No. Can I tell you that I can make your body work better? Yes, that's what I did. I did not cure her, not for her knee pain, not for her hip pain, not for her foot pain, not for her low back, not for her skiing challenges, not for her heartburn. What I did was I found what her body wasn't doing correctly and I got that functioning better. Once we got that functioning better, it does what it wants to do. Conflict, problem. 
and Jared problem thine and then we go and seek help. But what we need to do is go back to the point where before the conflict occurs in our body, make sure the conflict doesn't occur. If it does occur, we resolve it very quickly and then we can function optimally. And that's the difference, you see? We should be really thinking, rather than just living in a lifestyle of survival, we should be thinking how do we live in a state of thrival. We should be thriving right now. We should be in optimum health. So that's Lisa for you. And this is just a quick example of looking at the nerves. So I told you already, right? The nerves from the neck, they go into the head and the arms, but look at all the different organs they go into. The ones in the mid-back, they go into all the different organs there. And all the ones in the lower back, they go into all those organs down there as well. So our entire body is connected with nerves. Our nervous system connects everything. It's the powerhouse. Just like in your home. If you turn off the electricity, that's exactly what happens in our body as well. <coughs> so we're experts in finding which problem is going from where and how it affects everything else. I mean, for example, let's just take one on here. Have you ever thought logically, left arm pain thai, we think, ah, oh, I'm going heart problem chair. But logically, let's think about it. Left arm is all the way here, and my heart is all the way here, deep inside my chest, protected with my ribs. What is the link between the two? It doesn't make any logical sense, does it really? Apro, arm is here, and a heart is here. And the reason why, if you've got a heart problem, that you think you have pain in the arm, is because nerves your arm mati and they go back into the spine that goes into the same section of the spine that the heart nerves go to. And the upper daily living masutaike, we learn from experience. Though in life we knock our arm more frequently and regularly, so our brain learns signal section ma that's the arm hurting. But when on the odd occasion if the heart has a trouble and it goes to the same section, the brain will look back at history, think, okay, past ma ah, it was in the arm. Let me tell them that the pain was in the arm. And that's so true for so many different things. For example, upper right shoulder pain thigh. One of the questions I ask my patients, okay, is it your pain worse in the shoulder, in your right shoulder, after eating a heavy meal? Because upper heavy meal kaya, there can be more fats. The upper body fats don't digest karamate, we need to produce more bile. Now upper gallbladder has to work harder with our liver. And so that refers to the right shoulder. So this is the depth of knowledge that osteopaths and chiropractors have. We study for four to five years on each of those degrees to get to the depth of knowledge of not just in terms of the anatomy and the physiology, but down to the levels of exactly what the nervous system is doing as well. So let me tell you about Wendy. Wendy is uh, one of our patients who just started coming to us really recently. And um, if you want, you can see her story. I've posted it on my Facebook and Instagram fairly recently. Wendy, what happened with her was she was working in a supermarket and she had a stack of these, uh, uh, you know, those, those uh, what do you call them? Those crates, had some heavy crates and she had to get to the middle one, but had all these heavy ones which were above her eye level. And because they were above her high eye level, she couldn't see what was in there. Then it's okay when you're and it was quite difficult for her, but she managed to do it and then she carried on. She didn't think anything of it. Iratna, she woke up with pain in her left forearm, tingling But she didn't think much of it. But she two or three days, but she the tingling didn't go away. It was still there. Amma. 
But obviously because of COVID, GP did a telephone conversation and consultation. GP said, painkillers let or see how you feel. Then the punch was full dose, didn't do anything, didn't touch it. Aji tingling In fact, the pain was starting to now come up to the shoulder area. They spread thawamindu. But long story short, and you can see her story, she went to an osteopath. The osteopath said, I think it's this, that, the other. Betran session, Lida, and Isate, Kai fair na Really long term, Mate. Then she went and did all these other things she tried to do, and she was really getting desperate. Now it had been eight or nine, almost ten weeks had passed by now. And she said, what do I do? You know, the, the medication the GP's given hasn't helped. I've been to an osteopath that hasn't helped. And the osteopath doesn't know what to do anymore. I don't know what else to do. So she was going on YouTube and going on Facebook, searching for how to help neck and arm pain. And she came across one of my videos explaining about how trapped nerves can affect things. So guess what? When she came to see me, not only did we resolve that neck pain and the arm pain, but all the function returned as well. And she'll tell you very quickly that happened. And she was like, I wish I just came to you first thing because I've just wasted 10 or 11 weeks of my life being so miserable. And she's a lovely person. She loves being active. She loves doing all these things. And her husband's a paramedic. And her husband was saying, yeah, all these things aren't going to work. You know, we need to go and see Trishal. I've seen this video. Yeah, we should go there as well. Absolutely. So thank God she did that. So these are the kind of stories that I like to share with you because I hear it so often, every week, Trishal, I wish I'd come to you, see you sooner, you know? So please spread this information. Now that you know about these sort of things, please tell people that, hey, we should get these things resolved sooner than later. It's not worth uh, experiencing unnecessarily. So shall I give you a little, uh, I'll give you a little preview. I'll give you, I'll give you a little gift. For those of you who want to take part, feel free. If you don't take part, that's fine. But here's what I want you to try. If you can, if you feel happy to, I want you just for a moment to stand up for me. Just stand up normally, as best you can. I'll just wait for Komo to give me a little bit of a nod to see how you guys are getting on because I can't quite see you all. How's these, have we got some people standing up? I've got, I've got a couple of people. Excellent. Well done. Those of you standing up, well done. Okay, fantastic. Now what I'm going to ask you to do is sit back down for me just for a moment. Now I can't see you, but I've done this so many times, I'm pretty sure there are a number of you that when you got up, Ubutawa Mindo, like, oh, my Ubutawa oh, right? Okay, sometimes it can happen like that. However, without even treating you, without touching you through the power of this screen, I'm going to give you three tips on how you can stand better when, uh, from, sitting, from a sitting position. Okay, ready? Step one. Okay, I want you to come to the very edge of your seat. As far forward as you can. Alright, so make sure you're sitting there still. Okay, step two. I want you to, as you're sitting there, at the edge of your seat, I want you to straighten your spine. Really straighten that. And step three. Really tight. From this position, when you're ready, stand up for me. How are we doing, Komo? How are everyone's getting involved? Some people are, but I see. Fantastic. Most people are enjoying relaxing Most and watching the show. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh. But those of you who stood up, I'm pretty sure you found that second way much more easy than the first method. And the reason you did is because very temporarily, 
we made sure that your body was aligned in a better position, in a better posture, we got your muscles engaged with your movement, and we got you functioning the way your body is designed to work. But the difference between how you did it now and how you would do it if you were one of my patients is you wouldn't have to think about it. For example, we didn't have to think now. Shall I get that thing off the floor, right? Whereas we don't think that that entire whole body should be working, our entire body should be working as if we're six years old, no matter how old you are. Can we make a suggestion and just switch the screen show off? Because they want to see your beautiful face. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can do that. Can you all see me now? Everyone happy? <laughs> Okay, brilliant. I can't see my slides now, so I'm going to be stuck. Uh, let me see if I, I can... I have faith do... in you. You have faith in me. Okay. Can you all still see me now? Yeah. Okay. We have trouble getting in the right position. How do we sleep? Do we sleep in our side? Do we sleep on our front? Do we sleep on our back? What's the best position to sleep in? So just help me so I can get some feedback. Tell Komal in the chat box. Do you like front, back, or side? Just write one word. Front, back, or side. What's your favorite position? Front ma, back ma, or side ma? Side, side, side. Side, side, side. Yep, everyone likes sleeping on this side. Aritna, right? Okay. Well, the thing is, let me just for a moment, I know you want to see me, but I just want to share my screen just for a moment because I want to show you something really important uh, on this screen is that uh, yeah that one see if we're sleeping on the bottom screen there if we have too few pillows we can really put a strain on our neck or on our shoulder because we're putting a lot of pressure on that side so if we sleep on our front okay first of all which no one's doing but if you sleep on your front obviously if you twist your head to the side so you can breathe that's no good either. So side and front is no good. On your back is better if, like in the top picture there, you don't have too many pillows. Okay? So what I want you to think about is when you now sleep tonight, look at your pillows and think all you need to do back of the head must support back of the neck support joy up in there. Sometimes you can get away with just a thin pillow and you don't need anything fancy. Just a nice thin pillow just to support the back of your neck and lying in that position. I always like on my side, I can't fall asleep on my back. What I would advise you to do is for tonight, try just lying on your back for five minutes first of all and then sleep in any position you feel comfortable. But you, tomorrow, try for six minutes and then do what you like. And the next day, try for seven minutes and then do what you like. And every day, once you add a minute, your body will start to get used to lying on your back and you'll find that you'll feel much more, um, much less stress in your body, much less tension. You'll find that your neck and head and everything will feel much easier. So give that a go. Also, some of you might say, yeah, but my wife or my husband kicks me because I snore when I'm sleeping on my back. All you then do is do what I do for my wife is buy her a year's supply of earplugs and that will solve everything, right? Come on. <laughs> really? And that's how you then do it. You sleep like a professional. So, 36 hours. What am I talking about? 
Now, I'm not talking about the number of hours in the day because that's 24. I'm talking about how long it should take for a pregnant woman to have labor. 36 hours. Is that right? Is that how long labor should last? No. Labor should last only an hour and a half, give or take. And so what I'm telling you, I'm a switch woman pregnant that body nine months goes through a lot of changes. There's a lot of strain on the joints through here because there's a lot of weight that we put on there, right? We're really grabbing a lot of weight through there, a lot of tension through there. Also hormones change as well. And also uh, men in the room here, I'm grateful now for being a man because this is what nature has designed for a human baby to fit through. This is life size and the baby doesn't fit through there. So it's quite difficult. So you have to ensure that during the birthing process that everything is optimized. Now, one of the things I know for sure over the years that we've been treating pregnant patients, those who have treatment before, during uh, their pregnancy have a labor time of just an hour and a half compared to those who don't on average have a labor time of 36 hours, give or take. So I know as a man, I'd prefer an hour and a half. So please spread that around to anyone you know, maybe it might be your daughter, your granddaughter or some friend or relative who is pregnant, make sure they're getting care they need. And the other benefit is of having a shorter labor time is less stress on the baby as well. So you get this wonderful thing of everyone's getting uh, a nice, easy process, which is what we want. And so that also leads me on to the fact that we don't just treat people who are older. I mean, chokra up and joyayanga, we look after them too. Remember, right now, children are on their devices, right? They're either playing games or they're on iPads or phones, and they might be studying on their laptops, or they've got still heavy bags. The number of uh, children we've seen, especially coronavirus, uh, like on a locker's nana chair, and they have to take everything home with them. So like our bags are even heavier than before. And so there's a lot of strain on the body when it's still developing, still trying to get uh, how it should be. So you've got to really look after children in that way too. Yeah. So I have a question which is not so much to do with children, but it is to do with working from home. Sure. Which is really useful. So Bharat has asked, since I started working from home due to COVID, he started getting lower back pain on the right side. Um, potentially due to the chair that he's using at home and also because he's working from home he's sitting a lot more so he's it's like the, his butt like the cushion it's gone and um, he feels pain on both sides of his buttocks okay but that's a great question I want to tell you something uh, that's how all my patients okay the question is and this is how I get the rest I get this is my secret sauce this is how I get amazing results the question is if everybody did what you did so if everybody was working from home, everybody was sitting on the type of chair that you're sitting on, for the amount of hours you're sitting on, for the way you're working, would everybody have the same type of pain? No, they wouldn't, would they? So the thing is, is that there's something different about you and your body that's led you in addition to those other factors that's pushed you over the edge. So what I'm saying is, First of all, absolutely, we need to think about how you're sitting at home and how you're working. But also we need to look at what's underlying that, what's been there for so long before that, that's not helped. 
let's remember also adding on to that we haven't had a great time have we during covid it's you know it's been locked down it's not been fun we haven't been able to see each other so much so there's some psychological mental mental emotional stresses to this as well on top of that we're not really working properly and what i mean by that is i've got a lot of my patients who used to commute an hour and a half each way to their office and they used to regret that before covid but now during covid they look on and they miss it because it used to give them a mental break yeah, okay work is finished and now i can go and spend time at home but how is it like after kampatavye 5 wage 6 wage but she after dinner we think oh let me just jump on the laptop and let me do a little bit more work and we carry on so we don't have this clear cut off anymore so those sort of things is something i've seen commonly with regards to not just being back pain from the mechanical stresses that you described but it can also be the emotional stresses related to the work environment that you've now created at home which is not any fault of your own it's just the environment that we're living in right now so we need to find a way to break that cycle so that you can go back to how you really want to be Yeah, let's do that. Whilst we're on that, we can do some yeah. questions right now. So I've got Neelam. So this is um, a question which has come up a couple of times. So I get lower back pain. She's had it for nearly three to four years. They, I'm assuming the GP, are telling me to have an injection for her lower back. So please, could you advise? And some um, Jitu Mehta as well has asked, what is your opinion or view on using steroid injections, which are suggested by the GP? Cool. Okay, great questions. They're very similar. So I'll ask them, answer them both together. Remember my first uh point was things such as paracetamol are not naturally found in your body. So why would we put them in the body? And so if we're looking at true health, we're not talking about just pain relief. We're talking about your body functioning the way it's designed to function. Then for me, without knowing anything about you remember i'm not here to give you medical advice right now because i don't know enough about you i am giving you a different viewpoint of generally how we can think about things i would just pause and reconsider what are the benefits versus what are the risks of putting this inside my body and also what's the long term effect once you do it now what happens once it wears off do you need to do it again but then that's not resolved the underlying problem all that's done is just let it carry on So it really depends on what you want. A lot of the patients that see us, they are tired and fed up of having to go around and around in circles because they're not really getting the underlying problem resolved. My advice would be to really find out if there is someone, if you haven't already tried an osteopath or chiropractor or a physio who works in the same way as we do. And the way the best way to find them first of all is just like a, a medical doctor or a dentist, they have to be on a register by law in this country in the UK to use that title the title osteopath is legally protected the title chiropractic or chiropractor is legally protected meaning that you know you're in safe hands because you can look up are this is this person on the professional register that always already gives you a big tick okay this person is good they're qualified they've done the right things Then the second way like you would do it anyone is maybe go by personal recommendation has somebody tried that particular practitioner I just gave you the example of Wendy Wendy went to an osteopath and she had three or four sessions and didn't get much benefit now I have no doubt that osteopaths are very good osteopaths I don't know who they are but I know they are because they are an osteopath they're on the register just the way they did things was different just like when you go to two different doctors they've got two different viewpoints so my point would be first of all think is the advice you're getting 
just a protocol that's being followed that has to be done for those on the NHS? Or is it something that's in line with the latest research, the latest best techniques, the best way to get your problem resolved? A lot of the time you'll find things like back pain, you know, we've got to find out, remember? All I know is that you've got a symptom, although you know right now, you've got a symptom in your lower back. But what is the diagnosis? What's the cause of it? If we don't know the cause of it, it doesn't matter what you do, you need to find the source of it. So that's what I would suggest first. We need to get a really good diagnosis. And the way to do that is find someone who's an expert and find the source of the problem. This is a... Are you okay to I'm, I'm cool, yeah. Like, I'm excited. So this is a really interesting question and um, we hear it a lot at the clinic as well. So this is from Avinesh. He has lower back pain problems, which he's had for the last 29 years. Whoa! And he's been seeing a chiropractor for 29 years. At least once a year he gets the back pain and he has to visit the chiropractor for 8 to 10 sessions. So, does the back pain ever go away? Ah, well, okay, first of all, my straight away I'm going, what's the cause of the back pain? What is the diagnosis? Okay, that's what we have to go to first. What is the diagnosis? Uh, so Avnish, do try, try, if you're happy to share, feel free to share. What is the diagnosis? Secondly, my then second question is, if it happens every year, think about the modality that that chiropractor is using. Now, one thing I haven't told you yet, which I'm gonna share with you now, is the two broad ways that osteopaths and chiropractors work. There are some osteopaths and chiropractors or health professionals who live and work in a philosophy of being symptom-based, pain-based, meaning that they will help you get rid of the symptoms, then fine, stop care. But then you've got another type of thought, which is okay, once you are better, we then keep you better by making sure we keep tweaking things just like like I don't get tooth pain, but I still make sure that I get my teeth checked regularly to ensure I don't get problems with my teeth. Like when we get our car MOT'd or serviced, there's no problem with it, we're just getting it checked and done. So that's the same thing that I believe in working. Now the reason I've come to that conclusion and why I do it, for me ethically it makes sense because remember my background was that I've grown up in the pharmacy world. And growing up in that pharmacy, you know, as a kid, I'd often see Patients coming in who would buy a packet of paracetamol. A packet of paracetamol costs 30 pence for 32 tablets. It's cheap, right? It's only 30 pence. And so when I started working, and a lot of chiropractors or osteopaths work privately, there is some availability on the NHS. It's difficult, but it is possible in certain areas. However, vastly in the UK, you'll find they're private. And when you're charging somebody 40, 45, 50 pounds for a visit, I've got to think, well, what's different between a packet of 30 paracetamol and a visit with us? If that goal of that patient is that they only want pain relief, I tell them this is not the place for you. Because why waste your money and time? I can't just give you just pain relief because I can't justify my fee. But if you want true health, and when I say health, I just reach out to health no word joy. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Let's think about the word health, right? How do you spell health? H-E-A-L-T-H. -E health is spelled H-E-A-L-T-H. -E so we're looking for health. We're not looking at sick care. We're looking at health care. But the first four letters of health are heal. H-E-A-L. 
So my definition that I tell all of my patients and my team here is the measure of health is by how your body can heal. If your body can heal well, then your health is high. That's different to taking painkillers. So that is my first thing, is thinking about, for Avnish, diagnosis. Secondly, thinking about the philosophy of the chiropractor, having an open conversation with your chiropractor. They're obviously very good because you go to them so for so long, for 29 years. So you clearly respect them. They must be amazing. He's actually just um, written that he's for two years he did monthly maintenance with his chiropractor. Fantastic. So the latest research that I've read shows that you can have uh, maintenance visits anywhere between once a week to once a month and a variety of whatever it might be. And that might change depending on what you're doing. So I myself have, because I'm very fortunate, I work in this field, I've got my colleagues here and my team. I get maintenance two or three times a week two or three times a week. Now, I'm very fortunate for that. My family, my loved ones, they all get maintenance two or three times a week. Our team here get adjusted two or three times a week. We get a massage once or twice. You see Kom's putting her hand up. She gets adjusted. She just had an adjustment and two massages today, would you believe? Kom had one adjustment and two massages today with our team. That's how we work because we believe in it. But what I'm saying is, is that at least somewhere between once a week to once a month, but if once a month wasn't enough, perhaps need to be seen more frequently. The research is there. The research is just there. So just like when you go to your GP or you go to your dentist and they give you some medication or treatment, they have to be evidence-based. And we are the same. We have to show that there is evidence, there's research behind what we're doing. We don't just make it up and go, oh yeah, patient It doesn't work like that. We have to look at the research and find what's going on. That's, that's my secret sauce. That, I've given you my secret of how I get the best results. The secret is you look at the research, you apply the research, you monitor the results. If it's working, you do more of it, right? It's not, hard, it's not rocket science. It's fairly straightforward in that respect. So this is a good share and it's a good thing to open up as well. Ooh, so Guru has asked, um, or he's written, because he wasn't um, entirely sure about what chiropractic was, so he Googled it on um, Google. So from the NHS website, he found the following, which is rather disturbing. There is a risk of more serious problems, such as slip disc, stroke from spinal ma manipulation. So speak to a GP if you're unsure whether chiropractic is safe for you. Um, and this page is reviewed in September 2020. And he's just, he wasn't sure what it was, so he's not to throw, throw, show doubt, but that's a good, good thing. I want to first of all, thank you so much for sharing this. And uh, I'll tell you what, I have a problem with that. Uh, and a lot of my colleagues, my, a lot of my chiropractic colleagues have a problem with that um, definition. And the reason I have a problem with that definition, and I was talking to some people today about this, was actually, as a society, we've, we've done a big disservice to GPs. And I feel really bad about this. What we have done is we've put a lot of pressure on GPs to give us answers that they cannot be incorrect about, about things they don't always know enough about. I know this because, as I haven't told you this, but as a, I'm quite nerdy. So when I was studying in London for my osteopathic degree, down the road was Guy's campus from King's College. And I was friends with a lot of the medical students there. So in my spare time, I would sneak into their lectures and I had lots of friends who are GPs, 
who are dentists and uh, you know they're, they're really good friends of mine I've got family who are GPs and stuff I'm not bashing GPs at all what I'm saying is I know they get this much information about what osteopaths and chiropractors do this much nothing okay so if we are now told that we should go to a GP to get advice about something they don't know about and their GP is now feeling pressure that I've got to give this patient advice and I can't be wrong because society has put me on a pedestal that's a big problem we don't we shouldn't do that to GPs what I, we should do is go well hang on a second I've read this thing let me go speak to somebody in the profession so thank you for bringing that question so I can share my answer to you which is like anything there are risks and benefits you take a paracetamol you take a painkiller there's a one in four thousand chance of dying there's a one in four thousand chance of dying yet we're okay with doing that you know you would not cross the road blindly would you you'd always look both ways to make sure that you can cross but you know there's a risk of being run over the research right that's where we're going to this the research says with any type of treatment in terms of physical therapy there is a risk of any problem in the range of 1 in 120,000 to 1 in 1 1.6 million so first of all I'm liking those odds because that's extremely rare second thing I'm going to give you is that osteopaths and chiropractors I often joke with my patients who are worried about things I say listen I'm not a ninja I'm not going to sneak up behind you and do something that you don't want me to do because I have to satisfy my regulatory bodies as a professional that I have received consent and it's not just any consent it is informed consent meaning you had a chance to think about it and you have a decision to make and you've decided which way you want to go knowing the risks and the benefits just like if you start reading all the side effects it can even happen just to one person but if something's on there then you know that's there's a chance of that happening but also let's look at more research and I really went into a lot of research over this over the years they have done studies on uh, human cadavers right uh, like a research and what they've done with them is they've tried to generate a force on those cadavers to create the and replicate the injuries that we're talking about what they concluded in this research is the amount of force that was required to cause a problem was so much more than what we do in real life that it didn't you know they threw that out so it doesn't make sense but then they said hang on that was on a dead tissue what about on real on life tissue so obviously we have ethics at play so we couldn't do this on humans but they took pigs and dogs because like an anatomy in the neck and head area is very similar to humans now like dogs and pigs they were doing this treatment right they were not able to cause them the problem that we were talking about so now there's also a school of thought that says right they might already be having it and they might happen to coincidentally go to a chiropractor or an osteopath and they found that the incidence of it occurring when visiting an osteopathic chiropractor was the same as when you went to a GP who didn't touch you so what I'm trying to say is that go to a professional who's on the register make sure that they've done their due diligence make sure you've found who you like 
make sure they've done a case history, they've examined you, they've warned you about risks and um, benefits in your case, and then you go from there. Not one, over 15 years, I've seen thousands of patients. Not one of my patients has had a stroke or a disc bulge or disc herniation or fracture or anything like that. None of those risks have occurred. So you just gotta, you know, take that into consideration. I was just responding to Dero saying he has apologized, you know, he's just saying I wasn't trying to throw Trishal off the subject, but I, you know, I think yeah. it's a really good question to ask. I agree. A lot of people have questions about this, so I think it's, it's a great question. So. No, absolutely. You haven't thrown me off. I'm, I'm grateful. You th I'm really passionate about this because I want to make sure that, you know, we always hear the scary horror stories, right? But, you know, the thing is, is that unfortunately every day there are patients who die on the theatre surgical table during surgery. It happens. You know, the num one of the leading causes of death in the US is iatrogenic deaths. Iatrogenic deaths. Who knows? But say yes in the chat box if you know what iatrogenic deaths is. I won't get many. So why have you not heard about this? Iatrogenic deaths is a mistake made by the health professional. Right? So the thing is, it doesn't mean that, okay, we never go to any health professional. We don't go to the doctor, we go to the GP, we don't go to any surgeon. We don't even do that. You have to do everything with eyes wide open and ask the questions. You should in yourself feel, I'm happy to go forward. Remember, that's how we should do it. If you feel happy with getting a tattoo, uh, then you should definitely get a surgery. Don't get a tattoo necessarily if you honestly want to. That's up to you. <laughs> so I'm gonna move on to some more like, I guess personal, questions that people have asked. Mm -hmm. um, so Jayshree Vora has asked, my son has damaged his disc while playing golf. The consultants have told him he will need surgery. What do you recommend? Okay, so uh, just like I mentioned, if he is, if your son is um, concerned about his discs, right? What my advice would be, surgery is not reversible. Whether it's a good or bad thing, you can't reverse it. It's very difficult, okay? So you must be confident that the surgery you're gonna have is going to benefit. Now, let me just, first of all, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to throw you off having surgery just for a moment. I want to make sure that you have exhausted all other possibilities before getting to surgery. And that's, I think, a smarter way of doing it. And so, first of all, if we are gonna have surgery on the disc, just behind the disc is our spinal cord. And remember that risks of this are higher with surgery than the risks of what we do as chiropractors and osteopaths. Then if you sever the spinal cord, there is a risk, a real risk of paralysis from that section down to the rest of the body. It's a small risk, but there's a risk. It's a real risk. And the risk is higher than getting treatment from a chiropractor or an osteopath. So first of all, my question would be, have you, or has your son, been to enough people who can make sure mechanically he is sound? Second thing, if he still has decided that surgery is the way forward, which is absolutely his right, I have found with my patients, those who have had treatment regularly with us before surgery, have quicker, better outcomes, from the surgery because the body is in a better state of working optimally and they can bounce back and recover and have better stronger rehab after the surgery so it's not always an either or 
I think sometimes it's a combination. But certainly the surgery thing is something we want to not run to. There's a famous saying, right? Okay, to the person with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. To a surgeon, everything, you know, we think, okay, let's just cut everything open. But we should really be considering all the options. Ask the surgeon what they think about chiropractic or osteopathy, and they will tell you this or the other because they don't know enough. So go to an osteopath or chiropractor first, maybe a physio. Just go by recommendation. So the next few questions are sort of a running theme in terms of nerve pain or trapped nerve. So if I ask a few questions, then you can maybe do a... Combined answer, sure. Yeah, so Praveena has asked, I have trapped nerve in my spine and it's very painful. Would like advice? Trishal, uh, this is from Mukesh. Trishal, I've just recovered from sciatica and have been left with pins and needles in my right heel area. Should I accept this or does it need further attention? And Dina <coughs> has written that she has sharp pain in her shoulder on the left-hand side, particularly when she extends her hand forward and she can't carry any weight. Um, and Mahendra has also asked, lots of women get sciatica, so what exercise would you recommend? That might be a different Okay, very quickly, the last one is a very quick answer. I do not recommend an exercise without finding the source of the problem. And um, also considering that what we want to give them when they give them the problem they had. So, you know, exercise is such a broad topic, right? We can't just go willy-nilly, okay, lao yujubu bojo, best exercise for this. Yeah, it might be best exercise for low back pain, but remember, that's a symptom. Best exercise for, was it sciatica, Komo? Last one. So remember, sciatica, but that's, a, that's not a full diagnosis. What's the cause of the sciatica? Let's treat that first. And does it need exercise? Does it need something else? So I think we need much more information before we go down to what is the exercise for sciatica? It doesn't exist unless you know what the cause of the sciatica is. Uh, the other answers were, sorry, uh, the other questions were? Yeah, sorry, so Praveena has asked, I have trapped nerve in my spine and it's very painful. Yeah, so trapped nerve in the spine and also uh, somebody else said they were left with tingling in their foot. Uh, the question is, is that I wouldn't settle for anything. I'm always constantly looking at how do we constantly keep improving things and don't give up, um, but certainly keep searching for someone who can help you further. Um, you'll be amazed at how much I, I've seen so many patients over the years where they've been told, oh, uh, I've been told I can't, no one can fix this. And I said, well, maybe, maybe they can, maybe they can't. It's worth a go. It's worth a go giving it a shot and seeing if you can do any, if you can improve it just 5%, 10%, 20%, 50%, fingers crossed 100%, any improvement is better than no, no improvement. Uh, the thing with nerves though is that it depends on what's caused the problem. So sometimes if you've had a, uh, a proper sever, right? There are a small amount of time for the nerves to regenerate depending on how severe that is. And so you have to look at that as well. So it's, it is, I'm going to try my best to answer your questions in that respect. However, the problem I have is that I don't have enough information. The depth I go into the detail I get from my patients is so vast to find exactly about everything that they do. And that should really give you an idea that uh, we don't need to be on the surface. We can't just go, we're very different people. So you must get someone to look at you specifically and your condition and how do we improve it? How do we make it better? So, um, with regards to getting any kind of problem with a trap nerve, again, we're going to find where is the trap nerve, what's causing the trap nerve. 
How can we resolve it? What's, what's made you find it? Also, to the one that, uh, the person who said they've still got some pins and needles, uh, thing is, when you said you've had your trapped nerve resolved, your sciatica resolved, but then it's not, is it? Because it's, you've still got pins and needles, which is a symptom. So we've got to think about how do you think it was resolved? What do we need to do to improve it further? Is there anything that we can need to do any further? Again, I'm, I think some of my answers will end up being, you need to go book in, see, find someone who's an expert. If you're local to me, I'm happy to look after you. But if there's someone else you want to find closer to you, feel free. We have patients come to see us in Southeast London from Slough, from Essex, from Dagenham, from Sevenoaks, from Kingston, from all over. So, you know, from Southgate, we have people travel to us to, you know, one or two hours each way just to see us. So time or travel is not a challenge. I'm happy to look after anyone. But if that's a challenge for you, let me know. I'll find someone more local to you, more close to you that I recommend as well. Are you liking this format? Are you liking some questions? I'm happy to answer any more. If you've got some more, I'm, I'm you know, if, if it's so, useful to you. I mean, these are very specific questions. So um, let's see what uh, Jiku has written. Uh, oh, actually, this is quite, this is a straightforward question. So at what stage or under what condition would you suggest using hot or cold presses? Fantastic question. Right, so first of all, we've got to think about if you've got pain, I often, if it's broadly speaking, I often will advise symptomatically to apply ice first rather than taking a painkiller because ice is natural. It is going to go to where you're feeling the pain. And there's two things that it really does. Often that pain, if it's due to a neuromuscular skeletal problem, if it's because of nerves, muscles and joints, there is inflammation there. So the ice will reduce the inflammation. So already it's starting to do something about the source of the pain. But second thing is, right? We can't feel it. And that's because there are nerves. They don't, they don't work very well at low temperatures. So it does two things. It one, reduces some of the inflammation, but two, it actually does something about your comfort and reduces any pain. However, when do you then apply heat? Well, you apply heat when the only problem is muscle tension. And the thing is, is that muscles, they have two ways of getting into trouble. Either they can be a specific trauma. That can be like a muscle tear. Or it could be, uh, I don't know, gradually, right? That might be just general muscle tension. It might be protecting or guarding something. Most of the time, I see patients who are having muscle guarding because of something underlying that problem. So in that respect, muscle tension would be good to reduce it with some heat. But I would also then think about applying ice to get to the source of the problem as well. So you can do a combination. So we need to think about, okay, is the problem recent? But even actually, to be honest, now they've done research where after a long-term problem, we used to think you wouldn't, ice wouldn't help, but actually now they're finding it does help. So you can still apply ice in most cases, I think, and then still get some benefit from it. Um, so would a yoga, this is uh, sort of a sleep question from Piru, would a yoga soft bolster under the neck be better than a pillow? When yeah, I think so. I, I sometimes sleep with no pillow because if I'm sleeping on my back, 
I don't need any support. The back of your head doesn't need anything because the back of your head is in line with your spine. If I show you on this model, right, the back of your spine is back here, it's in line with this. If I do a straight line here, you can see the space. The space that is created is just behind the neck. That's the only part that needs to be supported. So absolutely, all you need, sometimes all you need is a rolled up towel. A towel then roll up U-shape behind your head. That will support you back there too. So you can try that rather than having a proper pillow that's holding you up. So these are very specific questions. So um, can you treat prolapse? This is from Shushila Shah. Can you treat prolapse associated with severe incontinence and bowel? Sorry, my thing keeps popping up. With severe incontinence and bowel opening, even without constipation. Well, okay. So one of the things that I will be very careful about is something called red flags. Any clinician will tell you about red flags, and the first thing, Jerabation Beli Warariyamabasa, we ask them questions, right? And what I'm looking at is red flags. Our patient passed a red flag taken at the end. What a red flag is, is something that requires an emergency situation. And if you've got incontinence, um, bowel or bladder incontinence, do not go and waste time going anywhere else except for the emergency. Accident emergency. Go straight there. Call 999, get there straight away. Because if you leave that too long, you might be left with permanent bladder and bowel incontinence which is you know very dangerous so make sure you do that without fail right the way if um it so it depends then if you've done that then it's a different question but i just want to make sure that it's clear to everyone do not waste time uh, go straight to a and e uh, and, and and go for that okay can you treat cramps Absolutely, yeah. Cramps is often due to muscle tension, right? Muscle to appertain stage I, like I described earlier, so what's causing it? So there's two ways we can look at it. Either we look at, okay, cramps reduce karisak, yeah, that's fine, it's symptomatic, right? We can reduce the muscle tension in that. But secondly, my question is, but ni cramp kem pela? What was the reason for it? And then we find that, and then we resolve that. Could it be because the body's not functioning correctly, so it's overworking the area? Is it because that person's not hydrated enough, so we need to make sure that they hydrate regularly? Is it because they're, uh, they're, they haven't had enough solutes and things as well, so we need to make sure they have that too, and electrolytes and things? So we've got to make sure they have the right things. It's always about the source of the problem, right? It's not rocket science. We really think, rather than being on the surface, care, okay, it doesn't hurt anymore. That's such a basic question for all of us. We're, in, we're the most advanced human beings on the face of this planet, in the history of the planet. We've got to stop thinking like, oh, dukeche matigyo. We've got to think about how is it the optimum? How is it functioning better? All of us on this call should be living way past 100, easily. So if you're sitting here as a 50, 60 year old, you're halfway through your life. You've got to do double it. So you've got to look after your body. Got a long way to go. Don't take it for granted. Keep going. You should be bouncing around like a six-year-old. So if you've got grandkids and you're like, oh, it hurts to play with my grandkids on the floor, go get it sorted out. Give, a, give them the run for their money, the six-year-olds, five-year-olds. So um, the other question was from Harrison. Uh, what is the best treatment 
It's going again to, some, um, to conditions, but mm. what is the best treatment for cervical spondylosis? Okay, so cervical spondylosis, very good question. The, uh, if you remember the, the, sh the image I showed earlier, which was whether you had the thinning of the discs, this is what spondylosis is, the thinning of the discs. So let's look at mechanically, right? We're thinking mechanics. Are discs to your thin thigh, then you're getting reduction in the space for the nerves. So sometimes we have spondylosis without realizing it. And it depends on how much of that reduction is causing an effect in certain areas. Treatment-wise, you want to think about finding some level of traction, so physically taking that pressure off. Again, osteopaths, chiropractors, we do this. It's a very straightforward way of doing it. Second thing, though, on this side, if you don't know if you can see, but this particular spinal model, I've got lots of colorful dots on here. This represents lots of muscle attachments. So one thing you want to look at is how tense are those muscles because that's going to be constricting that. No matter how much traction you try and put through there, you want to reduce that tension through there. One of the common reasons we get tension through the neck muscles is because they're not, we're not breathing properly. So all of you right now are relaxed. All of you are doing something called quiet breathing. A quiet breathing career, we're using only one muscle if we're doing it correctly, which is the diaphragm in our abdomen. Okay, so breathing like this, not like this. If we're breathing like this, we're using our secondary muscles of respiration. These muscles are useful when we need extra air in our lungs. But one other thing I want to tell you about, the nerves that go to the diaphragm here come from the neck. There's three nerves, C3, 4 and 5, keep the diaphragm alive. C3, 4 and 5, keep the diaphragm alive. So when I treat somebody's neck, to answer Harrison's question, you can see how this really affects all parts of their health. Because now it's not just about taking the pressure off the spondylosis, off the disc, taking rid of the tension, getting the nerve supply to the diaphragm, getting that functioning better. Also, by the way, upper heart chair, and you've got your diaphragm right underneath it, okay, the heart has a small tendon at the base of it that attaches to the diaphragm. If your diaphragm is working well and it's bringing the heart down, the heart, if you think of it like a bag, like a water balloon, it's stretching a bit. So it just takes a little bit of pressure, a little bit of tension of the cardiovascular system. But these things have to be done as a habit. We have to do it over a long period of time. It's not a quick fix, right? We're here for one and a half centuries, right? We've all promised ourselves now we're living till 150. So you've got long-term thing, you've got to look after yourself in that respect, breathe correctly, optimally, take the tension away from all these things. A lot of you right now on your devices are like this, it's all tensed up, you're putting compression through there, so your heart has more pressure, your neck is more congested, whereas well, you've got to open it all up, you've got to be in a much better position and it should feel natural, it shouldn't feel hard work, so everything needs to change. Uh, Shishila has asked, again, like an actual like condition, can you treat Morton's neuroma in the feet, which involves like a thickening of the tissue or yeah. one of the nerves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, these are good questions. Now, I want to be clear. The thing is, is that, again, I'm not going to get into the noisy stuff about how the legalities of this works, about what we can say and can't say, about what we can and can't treat. What I can say with very much a lot of confidence is, Every single patient I've treated, the way that I've had the best results is 
just for a moment I've parked aside any diagnosis they've come in with and I've looked for where in their body is their body not working properly and when we've gone through a process where we've taken away any deficiency, uh, inefficiencies of movement or function and you restore normal health function through there it will then the body is always looking for a state to heal itself it's trying to find a way to be best at itself right so it will do that it will go back to a state of healing but you have to give it the opportunity to do that and sometimes the reason people get into all these sorts of trouble is because they have conflict within themselves they don't realize and the body's trying to find a way out and it gets stuck and it gets into this vicious cycle and it can't find a way out so what i do is i go in there i break that cycle up and so I'm not going to say necessarily I'm going to treat this or that condition. I don't do that. I, I look after people. I make that person a better version of themselves, whatever that might be. Hina, uh, sorry, I'm going to ask. Yeah, Hina's question is if she is looking ahead, she can turn her head fully to the right, but not so much to the left. Okay. That's all the information. <laughs> That's all the information. <laughs> I'm guessing what you're trying to say is how can you get your head turning more to the left? Well, what's, called, what's stopping you turning to the left? Well, let's think about it. Very simplistically, it could be you've got some hard uh, bone growth, for example, for, for whatever reason, which is unusual, but could happen. You could have some sort of spasm in the muscles. Why has that happened? You could have, oh, just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, it could be a number of different things, really. Uh, has it become something that's sudden? Is it something that's been there for a long time? Is it because you did something specific and you now notice it? Um, now, in some cases, by the way, what gets really interesting, when I've treated some patients in their adult years and we've gotten to know each other very well, in cases like that, sometimes you find out, actually, they happen to have a very difficult childhood and on the left-hand side of their body would be somebody... You know, we have, we're creatures of habit, right? We will sit in the same chair. And so sometimes everybody around the table might be sat in the same chair. So they might not have had a great relationship with somebody who sat to the left of them. Possibly that might have happened. Or maybe in the office, in some sort of work environment, something happened to the left of them. Maybe some trauma happened that they're trying to ignore. So their body has gone into this survival mode now, where it's avoiding anything because it's got history, it's remembered in the nervous system. We don't want to go that way, that's dangerous. So you can see that it's not so easy to get, oh, I exercise God or Limati Jaseh. It's much more than that. When you really look at it, there's so much more that goes on in our bodies. We're so complex, it's just fascinating, where I think it's quite exciting. But it's also finding what the reason that your body doesn't turn, the right, your head doesn't turn to the left as much as it does to the right. That's what we've got to do. Usha has asked, what causes curvature in the spine? Okay, so I'm going to call you out, Usha. The thing is, is that curvature in the spine is not a bad thing depending on what curves you're talking about. There are some good curves and not so good curves. Then you've got the question of, are the curves that you have in your body the best curves for you? Before I go into the curves, let me just say this. If I was to treat some professional athletes, somebody like Tiger Woods, who's a golfer, or somebody like Rafael Nadal, who's a tennis player. Rafael Nadal is an example I use quite often. In a left arm chene, he's got such strong muscles in his left arm and in right arm, he hasn't got as much strong muscles at all because he's a left-handed tennis player. He's really powerful there. If he came to see me as a patient, first of all, 
I'm not going to balance him out because any function suche he needs the left side stronger than the right. That's beneficial to him. So first and foremost, we look at patients and go, right, what is this person doing and how can I make sure that their function is in line with their structure of their body? Now, let's go back to the spine and remind ourselves what curves are normal and then what are abnormal. So if you look at the spine from the side, okay, let's start from the neck. In the neck, we've got this backward curve. This curve is called a lordosis with an L, lordosis. The one in the middle part of the back is called a kyphosis when it goes forward, a kyphosis. And in the lower back, you've got a lordosis again, a backward curve. These are normal function, normal healthy curves. And what these do is they strengthen the spine. The arch creates strength to the bridge, right? When you have a bridge over a river, the bridge is stronger because of the arch. That's what these curves do. The ones, Usha, I think you're asking about are curvatures looking at a spine from the back. And you can see my spine here is a little bit worked on, so it's quite wobbly. And these curves, if you're bending to the side, this is called a scoliosis. A scoliosis. It can be as slight as this. It can be quite severe. I have not come across anyone at all who does not have a degree of scoliosis. It's, you know, is it slight or severe? Now, what I'm going to do is just share with you an image of what a scoliosis can look like uh, and how it can affect uh, people, which is this. See, this is on the left, you've got an image of a nice straight spine. On the right, you've got that scoliosis. And the problem there is because the ribs are now also curved, it's going to start crushing those organs. And in severe cases, what happens is you have to have deep surgery where you have to straighten it out with metal rods in the spine you know we're talking about avoiding surgery well this is you know it's quite severe stuff so this is why i always say that make sure that right from an early age we check out our children make sure that they're developing well we see babies right from the youngest patient i've ever had is a two-day-old baby who came in straight away because they were advised to uh, by their midwife actually and they've done very, very well over the years. I still see her running around like a lovely nine-year-old, I think she is now, uh, in, the, in the streets locally. So the point I'm making here is if you imagine on this particular image, the person on the right, there's a good chance they would like wearing a bag on their left shoulder. And their spine, if it's going to, as a child, is going to develop, it's going to develop in this curve, isn't it? So this is what we want to avoid. We don't need this, really. You know? Did we you can, tell them about uh, the face curve? No, I haven't. Actually, this is what happened with a two-day-old baby. The problem happened was she had a scoliosis in her face and all model chene as a two-day-old baby. And the problem happened was that at that young age, the baby needs to feed and breathe, right? And the baby couldn't um, do that because the you know, jaw was off and her breathing was off because her nasal passages were strained and stressed. So what I did, I did what I did with every patient, which is I found what we need to optimize in that patient. Two days old baby chair, right? Bear in mind, she's two days, right? And I started treating her. Now, the advantage of treating babies that young, than adults, is that baby doesn't care. Oh, I'm not going they don't think about any of those things. They're just lying there at that age. So it's very quick to get the results. And thank God they did that because that baby, if they hadn't 
had treatment? I wonder, I don't know, but I, the question I have is, if their jaw is off to the side like this, and they talk like this, and they look like, and then 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 they look like, so she gets put into a lower class. In lower class, so she doesn't get good marks and she doesn't get the respect that she deserves. Maybe she doesn't get the career that she deserves. Maybe all those things happen. I don't know. It's a question I always ask myself. What if this versus this? But instead that didn't happen. What actually happened is that she's got a nice straight structure. She could feed well. So she was putting on weight correctly because she needs to do that as a baby. She was breathing well, so she wasn't having laboured breathing. And she's developed, like I said, into a lovely little girl. And in fact, what happened with her, because his parents, this was their first time baby, the parents then came in because they were so impressed with what happened to their child. They said, I can't believe what I don't know about this. So they themselves came in for treatment. And then they became pregnant a second time. Without a shadow of doubt, they brought their second baby in. I said, listen, Trisha, we're just going to look after my, my family because I know we want to make sure they get the best care they need. So share that around. You just don't know who you can help, what lives you can affect. It's amazing. I know that like time is now pressing, so I'm going to do maybe two more questions. Sure. So Dina has asked, I have osteopenia. Sorry, am I saying that right? Osteopenia, yeah. Osteopenia. I think it's spelled incorrectly. But and my height is decreasing day by day. And she's also written that her spine is twisted to one side. Okay, so I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, Dina, right? So yes. Dina. Okay, so Dina, listen, osteopenia, okay, is not the end of the world, first of all. For those of you who don't know, normal bone growth ayacha, the first stage is osteopenia, but she and osteoporosis thigh. I'm also checking up bone no strength reduced the yoy. osteoporosis is permanent. However, we know the latest research shows that we reverse it. Dina, you're in the middle, right? You're not full-blown osteoporosis yet, which is great news in that we can easily, more easily reverse this. So you've got to do all the right things. You've got to first of all check, are you absorbing calcium correctly? Are you getting a good source of calcium? Is it getting into your bones to strengthen that? Secondly, are your bones getting the excuse to strengthen? And the mean, what I mean by that is we have to exercise them. We have to give them stress. When you give them stress, then they get stronger. In your case, especially in the spine, we want to think about what is going to load that up. So we need to really think about what's happening with that and also correcting up some of these curvatures to see whether we need to correct them or whether they're normal for you and how we can then make sure that they optimize for your function. So there is stuff that you can do. Don't lose, lose hope. Make sure you exhaust all the options. Feel free to message me and I'll be happy to guide you. Uh, but certainly there's some work to be done. And it's possible. And I've got the final question. Final question for this evening. I hope it's been I useful. I've answered everyone's questions. If I haven't, then please do pop in the chat box. But um, yeah, I hope I've answered everyone's. So Suresh has asked, is hunchback hereditary? Possibly. <laughs> uh, final question. And your small one. Okay. So here's the thing. What we um, hunchback, right? So going to posture and they yourself. It it can be. However, the other thing what we don't know or we are starting to think is hereditary versus 
if we're just copying our parents, you know, our chakrachana, they look at us all the time and they mimic everything that we do. So this is even more reason why you must look after yourself to ensure that your children and your children's children don't have things. So if that keeps happening generationally, is it hereditary? Hmm, don't know. Let me ask you a answer your question in a slightly different way. They did this study, right? This is very interesting. I love this research they did. They took these rats. The rats, they give them a certain smell, like rose no smell. rose no smell, like an electric shock. But she, they kept doing this to the point where they then only gave the smell, but she, they didn't give them a sharp uh, pain thing, but like a pain receptors lit up because they now associated the pain with the smell. So of course, now we understand that, right? However, let me tell you something. That first generation of rats then, then had children. So they're second generation, right? With the second generation, the researchers took these rats. They did not give them the sharp pain response, but they gave them the same smell and they measured what happened. They responded to the smell. The second generation responded to the smell the same way as the first generation did, but they never were pricked with the pain. But it gets more interesting. They continued, the researchers continued monitoring this to see how many generations this would go on for. And guess what? It carried on for 14, one four, 14 generations. Atle meaning, the 14th generation Nadia rats hata, last 13 generations, they didn't receive any pain, but the response was with pain when they had the smell because they do pillow generation at all. So the question is, was it hereditary? There's something going on there. We have to really be mindful. We know so much, especially in our Indian culture, we have so much about the spirituality, about mindset, about meditation, about working on ourselves. There is so much more power to this than we know. And all the research, the science is now coming through, backing this up, which we've known for so long. It's really interesting. So long, long story short, is the hunchback hereditary? Well, how much of it is hereditary and how much of it is you adopting the posture of your parents? That's the question we've got to look at. And how much can we reverse it to meet your goal, meet your lifestyle? It. We've had lots and lots of lots of people say thank you. Ah, so oh, you're thank welcome. You thank you me. for having me. Thank you to my wife, Komal, for keeping me on track. She uh, makes sure that I do what I'm meant to do and don't do what I'm not meant to do. So thank you, Komal, for that. Thank you all for being so active and participating because I've really enjoyed it much more. I love, prefer interaction than just me talking at you because I think it's more valuable to you. But listen, I'm not going away. A lot, sorry, a lot of people have also asked your contact details. So I have just about to give it to you. Yeah, so I have the AVE clinic. I yep. have the clinic details. Yep. I've got a phone number on there. Yep. Do you want to just explain about your socials as well? Yeah, best thing, if most of you are on Facebook, please just look up Trishal Vardy. Just message me. Do go to Facebook Messenger, message me. Just uh, I get a lot of messages, so please just tell me that you found me from this talk. So just jolt my memory of where we've spoken or what I've told you. So they'll just give me a bit more context. But please utilize me. I'm honestly meaning it. Just ask me. I, I'm happy to help in any which way I can. 
Uh, even after this, if you think, oh, Mane Buligyo Apushta, just please ask me, or even via the council here, you know, and the moderators here, uh, please feel free to get in touch with them, and they've got my contact details, and I'm happy to speak with anyone, help you any which way I can, because that's my whole purpose. My purpose is that for the last 15 years, I've been obsessed with trying to make sure that we can change lives for the better, and we've done such a great job of this. The whole reason why I'm here spending time with you this evening is so I can make an impact to you as well. And I'll be back here at 7.30 tomorrow morning treating my patients. So I'm very happy to be here late this evening because I'm here making an impact already. Might just have a sleep here actually, to be fair. It looks quite comforting, right? Come, might just might only go home. But anyway, thank you so much for being part, um, so active and I really appreciate it. And I hope you found it useful. And uh, if you ever want me to come back, I'll be more than welcome to come and enjoy. Um, but lastly, I, did, I should have told you about David. This is my skeleton. Please don't worry about him. He is armless. He is armless. But anyway, that's a bad joke for you for this evening. But thank you again. Um, and I'll go pass it on to uh, Nuttubai, I think. Hello.
जय चिदेन्द्र जय श्री कृष्ण शुभ रात्रि